I know like, you know, when you were doing like bodybuilding stuff, do you ever have a, a problem with peanut butter? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I binged <laughs> on a whole tub of peanut butter. It was pretty bad. I cried a little bit. I'm having some problems over here too with some of the stuff that Perfect Keto is sending me. The nut butter that they have is, is unbelievable. It's basically just macadamia nuts, cashews, and MCT oil with some salt in there, mm. all squashed up, all crushed up in a, in a jar. And you can't stop eating it. You got to be careful with that kind of stuff, man. Like you really, really like mm, it's calor- it's calorically dense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't have more than one of those at home. <laughs> I'll go through all of them. Yeah. You got to be careful with it. They made a good product though. And uh, you know, it's, it's really nice to have like some sort of treat, you know, it's nice to, it's great to be on a diet. It's great to have that discipline, but a ketogenic diet sometimes can really be tough. And then to try to find any sort of snacks on a ketogenic diet, you really don't have a lot of options. And so this nut butter gives you a great option. I think everybody should try it. Andrew, uh, where can people find out more about it? Yes, all you guys got to do is head over to perfectketo.com slash powerproject and use code powerproject and get 15% off all keto products, including these amazing nut butters. And Seema, I hate to admit this, but you're looking pretty damn good lately. You're looking like a snack over there. I know. You got any room for any snacks in your uh, in your nutrition, in your diet? I know you're trying to... Stay, keep everything pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I kind of have room. Um, you know how I, I kind of overdo the snack thing, but like I do like the Quest cookies because again, they have a good amount of fiber. Yeah, they're, they're not, they're not something that like I really tend to overeat on, but they hit the spot. Mm. Like when I need something that can get me some little, you know, sweetie, sweetie, I like those. Those are good. Yeah, and for people that struggle and have a hard time with snacks. I would recommend this is something that you do at the end of the day. And that way uh, you go to bed, you're satisfied, you had something sweet, and you can uh, you can turn over to something new and start a new day. What do you got over there, Andrew? Did Nsima say sweetie, sweetie? I think he did. <laughs> I said sweetie, sweetie. <laughs> I was losing it over here. Um, yeah, so he did. If you guys want some of that sweetie, sweetie goodness, head over to questnutrition.com, enter promo code MarksQuest at checkout for 20% off all the sweetie sweetness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we're just watching a video on uh, the sheer force value of meat because the Piedmontese meat is so tender. We're trying to figure out, you know, how how are they able to, you know, make the meat like this? And the video we just watched basically just explains that, you know, by kind of slicing through the meat, they end up with what they call a sheer force value. And apparently uh, the certified Piedmontese, they do a great job of keeping that meat super tender. So very easy to cut through, Mm -hmm. which makes it easier to chew. Yeah, I've had a lot of different types of steaks, a lot of uh, steaks I paid good money for that just were not tender at all. It's the most disappointing thing ever, right? Yes, because you're you're paying good money for steak. You want it to taste good. You want it to be tender. So it's impressive that they're doing all this with their meat. Yeah, it's great. They're putting the information out there, too. And again, they have information uh, on how to cook, which I think is great. Having a cook guide is really uh, important. Um, And on top of it, you know, we don't want the meat to be like hard and dry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's really nothing worse than having a steak that's like that. And so they have tender meat that has tons of protein in it and it's very lean, much leaner than a lot of the other meats that are out there. And I think they're just doing it with those jacked Nebraska cows. Andrew, where can they find out more information about Piedmontese beef? Certified Piedmontese has a crazy deal exclusively for our listeners. Head over to Piedmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com. Enter promo code POWERPROJECT. That'll get you 25% off your order, along with free two-day shipping on all orders of $100 or more. Uh, You can hear all of that. Yeah. 
It sounded like uh, like the old Pepsi commercials. Like the, yeah, the, oh, the, I forgot I had coffee. <laughs> I just spilled. It's crazy how like how those uh, movie preview things. Like when you're watching it, it really does make you want to get a Pepsi with all those like popcorn crackling sounds and the sh- yeah the soda yeah that's amazing. They're so fuck. They're so good at that. <laughs> it's not okay. <clears throat> it's not okay at all. Why are you gonna cut back on cussing? I thought so too. Mm. <laughs> no, I do. I do need to be careful. <laughs> I do need to be careful, man. You want to throw the cans on, Mark? Yeah, they used to happen. My uh, my football coach all the time. He would come to practice and he'd be like. Boys, my wife said I need to stop cussing, and he he could never, you know, he it would I don't know he would last for a couple weeks, yeah, or a day, and then uh, he'd slip back into it. I can't slip back in. Mom's been watching all of our episodes. Really? Yeah. So why do you have such a dirty mouth? <laughs> like, no, you remember the Kenny Ko episode? Yeah. So she's like, oh, who is this Kenny K.O.? I'm like, oh, wait, you know what? Don't watch that. Watch this one with Bedros Koulian. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I was like, do not watch that episode. Yeah. My, uh, oh, my goodness. My my aunt the other day. She's she like, was, why do you poop yourself? <laughs> she's got a lot of questions about it on the podcast. Yeah, You're my, a grown man. My aunt hit me with something pretty specific. And I'm like, oh, you not only do you watch, but you, like, you listen like, Oh, <laughs> like, I hope you didn't catch that one episode where Mark was talking about how many, like, you know, dicks I suck or something. Like, it's just not good. Oh, God. Yeah. Man. I, uh, <laughs> my brother was listening to, uh, I was on Mind Pump recently. And my brother was listening to it in the car as he's driving my kids to school. And then, like, I'm talking about my kids. So they're, like, listening. They're, like, they didn't know. Like, the, I don't think they've ever, I don't think they've ever heard any podcast before. Um, and they certainly haven't ever heard mine. So then there, there I am talking about them. And I'm like, I just want my kids to not grow up to be dicks. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, kind of, you know, I think they kind of liked it, but they were kind of like, you know, kind of confused on even why I'm talking about it, I guess, you know. They're like, shit, everything we do at home is uh, not private, I guess, yeah. you know. Everything's uh, out there in the in the public. Tyler, you've been listening to the show for a while, huh? Oh, yeah. Every time I, you have a, you know, always have a famous person on. So yeah. I'm always interested. When was, uh, when did you start uh, listening to the show? Uh, probably the last two years or so yeah. is when I really, you know, got aware of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. And you live here in Sacramento? Yeah. I live in Roseville. And then have you been aware of uh, like super training because you're into bodybuilding, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I've been hearing about, you know, you and your gym ever since I really started following the podcast more and I met in SEMA. Mm-hmm. Cool. How'd you get into lifting? Um, let's see. Originally I did powerlifting. Uh, originally I started powerlifting my first year out of high school. Um, that was for, you know, Paralympic, uh, powerlifting, obviously I was trying to make the Paralympic team. So I went for that for, uh, 2007 to 2012. And then, uh, after that just continued with jujitsu and all the rest of the things. Yeah. So, and the, uh, like Paralympics is like actually really hard and they're really strict on mm-hmm. like how you do the movement and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm not, I, I'm unfamiliar with, uh, what you competed in exactly, but some stuff that I've seen, they're super strict. Like, uh, say for example, for bench press, mm-hmm. they have the guy like on rack the weight, the guy's got to hold the weight forever. Mm-hmm. And then they say start. And then the guy holds the weight on his chest for looks like a three count and they say press. And then the guy presses it up. <laughs> 
and then they <laughs> wait for you to have like a totally even lockout and then they say rack is that the kind of stuff you were uh doing so when i was doing it they didn't have any commands they Mm. just went off of you you know you knew what the rules were so you follow the rules you unrack it you come down you pause and you lock it out and then there was all the rules of did you pause long enough on your Uh. chest did you go up even you know all the little things and then you rack it and then you know usually there was always some debate on did you pause long enough on your chest or did you come up slightly uneven Mm. all that kind of stuff yeah because i saw there was a guy um uh, I can't remember what country he's from, but he did like a 683 pound bench, like yeah. something just astronomical. I'm yeah. sure you've seen it yourself. Yeah, it was. It's crazy to watch, especially when the heavyweights come out. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, the guy's so damn strong. But they have him like they have him strapped down to the bench. I'm not sure what the deal is with his legs, but it, it looks like he doesn't have uh, full use of his legs. His mm-hmm. legs are like smaller, but he has legs. And then they strap him to the bench. And then he's got to hold the weight there forever. And I'm like, this guy's got enough things going on. Like, yeah. why, why are they so strict on the, on the way that these guys lift? But I guess they're just trying to have, like, some good standards in there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and they strap your legs down to the bench. And you can use, I think, up to three straps to strap your legs down. And then, then you go. So yeah. I always liked it because I felt more secure on the bench. I just It always made me think about less with the stability, I guess. But, uh, yeah, they're really, you know, they're just as strict as, you know, everybody else. So, and then, uh, what were you born with? Was it, it's spina bifida? Is yes, that what it is? Spina and, bifida. And, and what is that? Uh, I don't know how to, you know, describe it in, you know, perfect scientific terms, but like my spine wasn't fully developed. So, uh, day one, I had a hole in my spine. They had to fix that up. And then over the next like three years, I'd have to ask my parents. I think I had like seven, eight, nine surgeries, something like that. Um, mostly on my feet. Mm-hmm. My feet were like turning inward and I actually had my, um, I had this really, um, unusual surgery this was you know 30 years ago they took my adductors and abductors and switched them so they flew in yeah some doctor from like uh, australia or something because he's one of the few guys that knew how to do it and did it work yeah it worked (laughs) yep so yeah that's i have some friends who didn't have that surgery done and now their legs are really tight and i don't have to deal with that i don't have any uh leg problems or anything you know and i can drive with my legs i have my quads but um yeah so it it saved me from a lot of problems down the road any idea what the thinking is on that Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know what the, like the, all the science is behind all of it, but yeah, that's that's fucking wild. I've never I've never heard of that before. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, it's been cool. Like now being a personal trainer today and just knowing more about the body, it's been cool to find out what they did to me. You know, and uh-huh. like, what what do some of these scars on my legs mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they they took my my adductors and abductors and switched them. I didn't. I never even heard of that. Mm. And then finding out, you know, what's what is spina bifida? Like, what is it related to? All that kind of stuff. It's been really interesting. What you are know. the sur- what were the surgeries for the sur- were the surgeries to try to make you more functional or were the surgeries for pain or were they for aesthetics? No, I think they were mostly for functionality. Just uh, I have some friends like their legs are they always experience cramps and mm. you know they're not flexible at all in their legs. Mm. Now I am. I mean I can leg press, I can leg extension, I can use my legs to an extent in jiu-jitsu. I can drive off with my quads and everything. Mm. So I don't have any leg pain. I don't have any of those kind of problems. So it just it saved me mm. from all that stuff that some other people experience. But you must you know. have some you must have some really cool supportive parents because oh, yeah. Uh, to have the confidence to go and do these things is mm. is difficult enough, mm-hmm. and then you having difficulties and having so many uh, surgeries uh, at such a young age. Were your parents always encouraging you? Were they always supportive of you trying different things, or were they also kind of like, "Hey, like, you mm. know, it, it, be careful"? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I would say both. They were yeah. extremely uh, encouraging, and they saw how much I was was into, you know. 
I'd always tackle my friends and I watched <laughs> WWE when I was a kid and Hell yeah. I remember jumping off the table onto my friend and you know so I was always <laughs> I was a you know typical guy you know like I was I was a boy you know right so uh, I was always into all those kinds of things so they supported it and then when I got into wrestling that's when they're like okay we're gonna let you do it but we're nervous you're going into fighting sports you know mm-hmm. and then um, you know then it goes into high school and like okay they hit harder in high school and mm-hmm. you know and then when I went to jujitsu which is strangling each other and hyperextending limbs then they're like okay how far are you gonna go with this you know so but they never not let me do something mm. but um, you know they were they were nervous along the way but they just trusted me and after a while they saw that I could do it how was the wrestling yeah. like like when you got into wrestling how did that start for you and like how did you progress there mm. That was so that was seventh grade when I started and uh, I, mainly it started because I was watching WWF and I was wrestling with my friends in the living room all the time. And then my stepdad, he We're talking like John Cena, Stone Cold, oh yeah. The Rock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite? I loved all of them. I feel like, I, you know, I was in the like, kind of one of the golden eras of wrestling in the early 90s when The mm. Rock was cutting his uh-huh. best promos. Yeah. And, you know, now I go back and I love that stuff because it's like, dang, that was that was the golden era. You know, yeah. I know so, I, I, um, I miss that too. And like all, with all the stuff that I see the rock do now, I'm always like, oh man, that's really cool. But nothing will ever be cool to yeah. me than the shit that he did in the ring. It was yeah. so fun and yeah. and so entertaining. Yeah. Something will pop up on social media and it's an old rock yeah. promo. Yeah. I'm like, that's golden. No one's going to match that. That's right. He was so like on his game and, yeah. and then Stone Cold, you know, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, all of them, you know, so I loved it. Back the then. rock would come with something new every time. Like just like a lot of the other wrestlers, he had his catchphrases and stuff, but yeah. He had new material every yeah. single time. And you're like, how does he do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was so sharp and he was yeah. so confident. He was so uh, committed on the microphone. You know, he, was, he had a $500 shirt. Yeah, <laughs> he was so into character on the microphone. Like, you know, there was no, there was just confidence, you know, and mm-hmm, it was right. great. But uh, anyways, um, so it started off just with me watching that and I loved it. So I'd jump off things onto my friends and then my, uh, my stepdad said, hey, you should actually try wrestling. I wrestled a little back in the day and you should try it. So I went out and at first I hated it because they, we did nothing but conditioning. We ran around the blacktop a million times and they were, you know, doing that for the first month. Then we finally got on the mat. That's when I started to love it. I'm like, okay, this is where we actually get to go at it with each other. And I think I won my first wrestle off, which is, you know, fighting for the varsity spot or the JV spot, whatever. Um, after I won my first match, I loved it. I'm like, okay, like I'm not, I'm far from the best at it, but I can do this. Like, just give me some time. I'll figure it out. You know? Mm -hmm. So that's how it all started. So then I wrestled from seventh grade to my first year of college, started jujitsu my junior year of high school, and then eventually got into powerlifting, eventually got into bodybuilding. It's all kind of faded together. Wow. You started jujitsu pretty young, like compared to, I guess, mm-hmm. most people. Yeah. Yeah. I started, yeah, junior year of high school. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. How'd your coaches take to it when you uh, were like trying out for the team? Were they pretty receptive or like, what were their thoughts? I don't know. I think about that now, you know, they never let me see any kind of doubt or whatever. I think they just kind of, yeah, go for it. I don't know if they actually believed in me from day one, mm-hmm. who knows, you know, but uh, I just was kind of off in my own world trying like, to oh, figure this out is what he wants to do. Let's see what he, see if yeah. he can hang, see if he can do it. Yeah. I mean, I just do what, what I still do. I sit on the side and maybe the either jujitsu instructor or the wrestling coach teaches something. And then I sit there and think about it and like, okay, how can I modify that? How can I do that with my, my arms? Okay, this is when you do the move, this is what happens with his body. This is how the leverage works. How do I recreate that with different body parts with my head and my hands, not my legs? You know, so I just always was Mm. just being analytical about it. And I failed a million times before I figured out a handful of moves that worked. But that's 
you know, that's how life works, right? Yesterday we so. talked a little bit about uh, like race and how like Encima was mentioning in a certain part, certain area, and he was like, "We're the only him and his girlfriend, like we're the only black people within fifty miles." I think you know, <laughs> and uh, I, I would imagine that you know that sometimes that feels different or feels uncomfortable, or maybe you're thinking like that other people are are looking at you. Um, you're different, and and how how does that feel? And and do you want people to like recognize it? You want people to ignore it? Because I think. A lot of people are kind of uncomfortable. Like if you mm-hmm. wa- are walking down the street and you happen to recognize that guy has no arm, you might kind of do like a double a double take, right? Mm-hmm. And you're and then you're like, "Fuck! I just totally st- I didn't mean to." I, I you're like, I don't know if that was rude or mm-hmm. you know, or do I say good morning like I would to fucking anybody else? Like, mm-hmm. um, h- how do you th- how do you feel? Uh, you know, being you know being different. You are in a wheelchair, and there's not not everybody else on the streets in a wheelchair. Um, you just want to be treated, I would imagine, just like anybody mm. else, right? I mean, I think that responsibility is, that's the responsibility of the handicapped person. You're the one that needs to make people comfortable. You're the one that needs to earn the respect. You know, you're the one that, you know, uh, I, I, I've, I've seen some people like in the handicapped community where they will, they'll complain that well, no one believes in me. No one, you know, gives me a chance, whatever. And like, well, yeah, of course they're going to doubt you. I, I didn't go into wrestling or jujitsu thinking people were going to believe in me. You know, you have to earn the respect and, you know, you have to show them that, you know, you can do it. But don't like just expect them to believe in you for no reason. Of course, Mm. they're going to doubt you. You know, so just expect it and you take that responsibility. Don't expect it. You know, do you think you need to go a little above and beyond than maybe what somebody else might do? Yeah. I mean, I think you just you need to maximize yourself, you know, and uh, set a high standard on yourself. Like, don't assume you know where your limit is. I mean, my, my dream has always been you know, top of the top level for everything. I don't know if it's possible for me to catch up to Casio in skill level, but I'm going to find out and I'm not going to assume that I can't, Mm. you know, there's no blueprint for me to follow. There's been very few handicapped people that have succeeded against able-bodied people. There has been a couple of cases, but you know, not a whole lot for me to follow like a blueprint, but I'm not going to assume that I can't. So I'm going to do the best I can in every single sport that I've done. Like how far can I push it? Can I catch up to an elite level with able-bodied people? And I mean, I'm just, I want to find out, you is know, it, is it ever, uh, in, in terms of jujitsu, is it ever an advantage to, uh, that's where, yeah, that's a really debatable one. That's a, uh, an interesting one because every disability is different. <clears throat> and, uh, so good example is that Anthony Robles, either of you ever heard yeah, of him? Yeah. Right. So one leg NCAA champion mm-hmm. when he was losing, Oh, you yeah, can't do a double leg takedown on him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. when, when he was losing, it was, Oh, poor him. He has a disadvantage. As soon as he started <laughs> figuring it out, it's like, mm-hmm. that's such an advantage. That's he cheating. should be kicked out of wrestling. Yeah. Wow. As yeah. soon as he starts beating you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Really? Well, so I think the truth is, depending on what your disability is, it can be an advantage and a disadvantage. It depends on what position we're talking about. You know, mm. um, think about using jujitsu terminology. You're doing like a, a knee cut guard pass and then your ankle gets caught. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they're working a half guard. If you don't have an ankle. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. just going to slip through that. Yeah. So in certain positions, if you're missing a limb or something, in certain ways it can be an advantage. And in other ways, obviously, it's a big disadvantage. So... I think it kind of works out to, you know, 50-50 or 60-40, mm-hmm. you know, probably in the, you know, the disadvantages of the 60, but yeah, so. And you have, uh, like, is it supports on your legs or? Yeah, just uh, braces, yeah. So with my braces, mm-hmm. I'll put on uh, up to three knee pads on both sides and then my wrestling shoes. And that's what I've always done for wrestling and jujitsu. Yeah. 
And the knee pads are to probably protect the other protect, person, yeah, right? Yeah, protect the other guy. Because they'll yeah. get nicked up from them pretty yeah. bad, right? Yeah, so that's just to protect the uh, the other person, yeah. Right. Wow. And then uh, what about like when you get weighed in? You have to weigh, you weigh, you just weigh in the way you are. Uh, yeah, well, I, mean, I take everything off and I and I hop yeah. on. So uh, there's been different ways. They make weigh you weigh in. in with the braces on or no? Uh, no. No, no, actually, well, I've had to learn the rules about that. I, at first, I thought I had to with jujitsu because uh-huh. there's the whole thing about weighing on or weighing with your gi on, weighing with everything on. Then eventually, one of my friends who's a black belt told me, "Hey, your your braces are considered protective wear, just like a you know a shoulder pad or something like that. Mm. So uh, you don't have to weigh in with that." So I took all that off, and that decreased ten pounds from me. I'm like, oh, weight class! I'm going down a weight class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just off. Of, I didn't know that because I was a blue belt. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. know anything. So the black belts, you know, are like, hey, like that counts as protective wear. Yeah, I'm not sure what the rules are in power the thing, but I think people have to weigh in if they have like a prosthetic. I think they have to weigh in with the prosthetic. So if they mm-hmm. had like say like a prosthetic uh, leg and they're bench pressing, yeah, I think they're yeah they whatever they're gonna like wear on the platform, they're supposed to like like weigh weigh with I guess. Something yeah. Like that. yeah, yeah. So then with me, I'm like, okay, it's not a prosthetic; it's just something on my small leg, you know. So mm-hmm. I've always had to find out what are the rules with my different sports I've done. When did you first do your first jujitsu competition? Uh, I think when I was a blue belt, I might've done one competition when I was a white belt, maybe, but yeah, yeah like late white belt or early blue belt days. And how did that go for you? Like, were you, I mean, I know obviously you grappled before with wrestling. Yeah. I had years of wrestling before that. So. Yeah. So did you find that like when you entered it into jujitsu, was it like, I guess competing, was it easier for you than mm-hmm. like, did you, how did you, how'd you do in your first few competitions? Uh, I mean, I remember my very first one was just in this little garage, you know, it was a little hole in the wall tournament <laughs> yeah, that yeah. everybody does at some point. And I won that match and it was the only match I had that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, it felt pretty natural for me because I had all the years of wrestling. It was just, okay, different rule set, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then also in terms of, I guess, as you progressed, I think you were the first individual to do fight to win. Oh yeah. And like, mm-hmm. how did that go? That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was really, that was crazy with all the lights. The production is second to none, you uh-huh. know? So yeah, so I was the first um, para-athlete or whatever you want to say to, to do fight to win. And then we fought to a draw, I guess, or he won by judge's decision. You know, yeah. we, we just, we went the full 10 minutes or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was, that was crazy. And that was really hard to find an opponent. <laughs> so, That's an issue is nobody wants to fight me. So... <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is partially like, like, cause I mean, they have a lot of individuals in your weight class Mm -hmm. Were people like, did you have people lined up and they were just like, no, I don't want to do it or no. uh, Well, Seth Daniels who runs it, I think he said he asked 10 to 15 people before someone said yes. And I think that's really, I mean, because they're looking at it like what's in it for me. If I Mm -hmm. win, I beat a handicapped kid. If I lose, I lost to a handicapped kid in front of all of Sacramento. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're looking at it like I'm not getting anything out of this. So I don't blame them, but it is frustrating because, you know, I want, it was amazing. I'd love to do this. I find stuff like that in sports to be really strange because like, isn't it just simply about getting better? You would think. And so like, if I go against you and yeah, I would, I would be pissed if I lost, I'd be like, shit, you know? It wouldn't have anything to do with you being yeah. handicapped. I would just be like, fuck, man, the guy is more skilled than me. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have got caught in that move. And then I would think like I would talk to Ensema or I'd talk to a coach and be like, man, like watch this tape, man. I need to get better. Like what does this guy do? How does this guy get me in this hold? Mm-hmm. Like that's all it would be about for me. You know, it oh. doesn't make sense that, it, you know, people would think in those mm-hmm. terms. I think think it's a weird way to think. I think that's that's the difference between someone who's good at any sport and then someone who reaches your level. Mm-hmm. Someone who's like humble enough to just constantly keep going back to whoever they look up to and like, how do I get better? You know, the, but they get caught up in their own ego, you know, yeah. or fame or whatever. They get caught up in stuff that they shouldn't be caught up in. You Are know? there some things when you were young that it was frustrating because you maybe uh, 
just uh, had trouble doing? Or did you always just figure out a way to kind of do just about anything that you ever wanted to? Like maybe like, let's say, play baseball or football or, or do something <coughs> that some other kids were doing that for, you know, at that point you had a hard time doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's part of the game whenever you're with a disabled life, I guess that's part of the game is frustration. And, uh, you know, I've I talked to plenty of other people in different situations, whether they were born with their disability or they're in a car accident. And it's your perspective on life. You know, it's how are you willing to be frustrated or do you give up when you get frustrated? So I've been frustrated billions of times. I've been tapped out in jujitsu a million times. I've been mm -hmm. pinned in wrestling a million times. You know, so that's just part of the game is overcoming that. I'd say just like everybody else, but yeah, yeah but we probably fail more than you know, the average person. But how stubborn are you? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's what just what it comes down to. And eventually I've you know, I've been stubborn enough to where I'm I'm still here and now I'm I'm hanging in there with the brown belts. And I remember when I was a white belt or a blue belt, I didn't know how far I could take it. I didn't know is it possible for me to ever really hang in there with a legit purple, brown, black belt? or whatever, whatever sport I was doing, how far can I take it? And I just, I just kept thinking, like, I don't want to assume, you know, I want to find out. And if that means failing, okay, it means failing, but I don't want to wonder what if, you know? And so I guess that stubbornness and that attitude, it's got me to here and now I'm a brown belt. I'm, you know, I'm never, I'm not on Casio's level. I'm far from it, but, <laughs> but okay. How much farther can I take it? I have no idea. Mm -hmm. So you I want to find out. You bring up a really good point. Maybe, maybe in your case, if you selected a particular sport or selected a particular thing that you really had a hard time doing as a kid, maybe it would just take you longer. Yeah. You know, maybe it would just take you twice as long. Maybe it would take you five times as long or mm. maybe it would take you ten times as long. But mm. if you stuck with it, you would eventually, uh, you know, hopefully get to where you want to be. And it would be just like uh, a lot of other people's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, except for they're not uh, they're not starting out in the same position. Maybe maybe it came a little easier to them when they went to play basketball, or if mm -hmm. they wanted to train for a marathon or something like that. Yeah, people just they don't like to do things that other people haven't done. I was just listening to you guys talk on a, another episode where you're talking about the four minute mile. As soon as somebody did it, then everybody did it, yeah, right? right? So I think people love to do that. They love to. You know, someone else has to do it first and then they'll believe. I'm like, that's how are we ever going to move forward in life. You know, how's mm -hmm. anything ever going to progress with that attitude? So I want to find out. I want to find out if, if I can be the first to figure out handicap jujitsu or handicap wrestling or whatever more than anybody ever has. Yeah. And like, I'd love to get on like a John Donaher level, you know, if I could and just be like really brilliant with my uh, my setups and my my systems. But I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll find out and ask me again in 20 years. We'll see where I'm at. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's, I'm trying, you know? Yeah. That's the thing I, like, I want people to understand a lot of because, like, you enhanced my jujitsu game so freaking much in terms of, like, arm bars and kimuras mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, you've, you've taught me so much and you tapped me out a bunch. <laughs> like, I don't know if people realize just, like, how, number one, good you are, but also how fucking strong you are. <laughs> like, I remember the first day I rolled with you. And I was like, this is going to be different. You grabbed my wrist and legit, there's a little <laughs> voice in me that just went, because <laughs> when you grabbed it, like you engulfed it and then you fuck, I don't know. You got just, some you, beefy forearms. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely <laughs> wrecked me. And I was like, oh God, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> like he's going to teach me so much. And you did. <laughs> and like whenever I've like drilled with you, like when you were talking about Casio doing something and you adapt it, it's just like, it's insane what you come up with, but it's just because of all the absolute training you've done. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and just following concepts. Yeah. 
you know, don't be hell bent on this is the way you need to do the move. Just what's the concept of the move? Uh-huh. Now figure that out. You yeah. know what I mean? You can do it a different way, but you're accomplishing the same concept. That's jujitsu. Yeah. Right. So it's just such a deep understanding. Like you, it, it's, it's so awesome being able to roll with you. Mm, and I, yeah. And I've just tried to get as many like private lessons as I've could and uh-huh. seminars or whatever. I've looked up videos and just, I just try to get as much knowledge as, as I can so I can create, you know, with yeah. other people's knowledge, you know, just that's why I'm at Casio's too. Mm-hmm. Cause like, he's the best in Sacramento, you know? Yeah. So what, uh, what are the limitations of your legs? If there are any, um, so I mean, I got my quads, I can, you know, I can do leg press, I can do leg extension, all that kind of stuff. I don't really have hamstring strength. Um, I have adduction, but I don't really have abduction. And then, uh, my lower back is okay. I, I don't have zero strength in my lower back, but it's not real strong. Um, I have full core strength and then from there up, everything else is so something like a, like a deadlift. Would you be able to do a deadlift? Uh, to an extent, like a weak one. Yeah. Kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my lower back is, you know, somewhere in the middle. It's not weak, but it's not strong. You know, it's somewhere right. in the middle. <clears throat> and then, uh, do you, do you, um, I haven't seen you compete. When you mm. compete, are you are you standing? Or are you on, I'm on start, my knees. starting on the ground? Okay. Yeah, I'm starting on my knees. And and then with your actual legs, like can somebody put you in a leg lock? Uh, I'd say that's usually kind of an honor code system. Just don't do that. Oh, you know, I that's, see. Okay. that's how it's always been in jujitsu. Yeah. yeah, here and there, I've been at like an open mat, and somebody who doesn't know me <laughs> would do it. So that's so why you can been a little awkward. So you can there. move your quads and you can move your <clears throat> hips. There's limitation to the hamstrings, and then what from the knee down. You can't move your feet and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I can't, can't move my feet. Okay. Uh, I can. I have my um, my hip flexors. That actually is something I've realized I've used a lot in jiu-jitsu. Hmm. Uh, when I go to teach other handicapped people, when I go to teach uh, Lisa, she's another person at our uh, mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu academy in a wheelchair, I'll realize certain muscles that are active on me that are not on someone else with a different disability. So um, in uh, fighting purposes, I use my quads and my hip flexors a lot just for a lot of different small tactics and uh, creating momentum, moving myself, whipping myself one way or another. So, and uh, just if you needed to, can you stand? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I could walk with crutches. I just don't because wheelchair is lazier. You got your uh, <laughs> feet kind of crossed behind you, huh? Yeah, that's always been natural to me. Yeah. Um, I can't even really tell you why. That's just something I've always done. It, I, it felt natural when I was three, so I just kind of stuck with it. And mm. now it doesn't feel right to do it any other way. Yeah. So. <clears throat> shit man i'd be watching tapes of you if i was going against you and i'd be like fuck man no he did he told me afterwards this that guy's like because like, I, I mean you know getting down low and stuff is like a part of all of this right mm-hmm. i'd be like Sh-, i'd be sweating it yeah <laughs> no, he, i'd be like i don't i don't know what to do against this guy yeah the guy at fight to win he told me afterwards that yeah i looked you up and i knew like some of your your stuff that you've taught at seminars and so i was watching out for that <laughs> What do you think one of the main things for you is that that helped your jiu-jitsu game the most? Like, uh, was it just super important that you you, uh, you learned how to fight on your back? Or, like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, each person in jiu-jitsu has to learn the guard and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, for you specifically, uh, with what you have going on, what do you think was the most important thing? Uh, that's hard to narrow down. It's just been everything. It's been just learning as much as I can from the best people that I can, just doing all kinds of private lessons and dropping into other academies and just getting everybody's input on what should I do. And uh, I guess being very open-minded, not thinking um, this position is good and this position is bad. Like in wrestling, if you're on your back, there's Mm. no way that you're winning, right? You're absolutely losing if you're in wrestling. In jujitsu, you're only losing if you're tapping. Uh, There's not not really such thing as a bad position in jujitsu. And uh, yeah, this guy kind of got on your back, like 
would look like fairly easy, but you just didn't have any concern and he didn't end up with anything. No, because, yeah, like any any position that is seen as a bad position in jujitsu, if you get good defense from there and counter offense, you're going to be fine. But a lot of people don't even uh, dive into that. They just mm. they kind of go with traditional jujitsu where this position's good, this position's bad. If you're in this bad position, you're done. And it's like, well, don't just quit because you got mounted or something, you right. know? And like, that's what people do. So, um, I've kind of dove into some other positions, bottom side control, these things from my back. See from here in the video, I mean, that's not a traditional way of, of uh, protecting yourself from there, but I'm not afraid if he tries to throw in his legs there and get some kind of body triangle on me or something, I'm not afraid of it because mm -hmm. the more he engages me, the more I have stuff to work with. What I've had trouble with is people who don't want to engage me. So see here, I'm basically kind of taunting him from here. Like, would you <laughs> come at me, bro? Yeah. <laughs> you know, give me something to work with, mm -hmm. you know? But see how he's only giving me like a hand. He's staying decently away from me. Mm -hmm. And he was being smart with it, you know? He was coming with a smart game plan. But um, I, I do a lot of stuff where like, I want you to think you're winning. I want you to try to engage me because when you try to engage me, you give me something to work with. I've seen you do this. <laughs> You've done this to me. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, so a lot of my stuff is I want you to think I, uh, that you're winning, and then as you tr you go to finish me, you expose yourself for my thing, and then now we can have some fun. And sometimes I lose, but it's you know. So with somebody that's like of equal, a similar level, you're you're pretty uh, counter. You're gonna you're gonna counter a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Would you say yeah? Yeah. Um, is there any like holds and stuff that people can't get you in, like um? Like is a like a would a rear naked choke be normal on you? Like can somebody that's, kick your hips out and extend your hips out and all that kind of stuff? I'd say I mean that's kind of like the the start of my jujitsu is getting good defense from everywhere. Yeah, you know in general I I haven't been submitted very many times in competition. If people win, they win by uh, points. Mm -hmm. But um, so yeah, that's kind of been the start. Is just since I'm going to be in these bad positions, mm -hmm. I need to recognize what what's dangerous here. What am what am I vulnerable to? look out for it, know how to stop it, and then start looking for counteroffense. So uh, I, mean, I try to be hard to submit no matter where I am, and then I try to look for what are you giving me as you're attempting to submit me. <laughs> Have you had an opportunity to go into like uh, schools and talk to young kids that have mm -hmm. um, that are, are in wheelchairs and stuff like that and and uh, I mean I'm, I would imagine the response would be crazy like to see you doing this kind of stuff must be re really being I mean mm -hmm. it's kind of neat because this is fighting you know <coughs> yeah. and you're like kicking someone's ass like yeah. it's not you're not uh, you know shooting hoops or something like that this is like you're kicking someone's butt yeah which that must be really empowering for them. Yeah, yeah. I've been asked to do a number of things over, you know, over the years. Sometimes it was stopping by and training with one other kid who has some kind of disability. And sometimes it was speaking to a handful of, you know, people. But yeah, I've always been open to, you know, whatever you guys want me to do. If you want me to stop by and teach somebody some things in wrestling or jujitsu, or if you want me to come by and just do a little motivational speech and try to fire them up, you know, I've always been open to it. So in jujitsu, is there anyone that like, you try to emulate like anyone that like you watched videos of or you just had to everybody you everybody. know because i just i want to watch everybody has a different style at that top level so i want to steal something from everybody and then create mm -hmm. my own game um i am a bit more of a fan of like the loose playful game the uh the jeff glovers the gary tonins the okay. you know i do like the loose game and um you know a lot of my my best submissions they're not in traditional positions they're in uh, these weird scramble situations i'll create scrambles and then as you're trying to control the scramble, you give me a limb that I can attack, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I'm not really a, a smasher. I'm more of a, a loose game guy, but I try to learn from everybody because there's nobody I can just copy. 
Yeah. You know, there's nobody that set a blueprint for handicapped mm. jujitsu. You know what I mean? So are there some uh, things that you've done where you're like, oh, shit, I didn't know I could do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how I've discovered half my stuff is like <laughs> you're rolling with somebody and you, you just go primal at some point. You're just figuring things out. And then after the roll, you're like, what the hell did I just do? That worked or it almost worked. Yeah. And then you go back and you're like, like, and you stop your opponent. Like, wait, can we go back to that position? What? I almost had you there. What, what did I miss? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you do get them and it was totally primal. It was totally just instinctual. And then you just, okay, I'm writing that down in my notes. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm going to keep working on that. And that's been a lot of my stuff. Sometimes somebody would teach me something, but a lot of it was just discovering it in the midst of battle, mm-hmm. you know? You think about, you know, when people are talking about life and they're talking about somebody has like cancer or something and you, they use the word, <coughs> they use the word fight, mm-hmm. you know, or they use the word strong. You got to mm-hmm. be strong going into that. And we get strength, you know, a lot of times from lifting mm-hmm. and then fighting, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of these things right here. And people are always talking about, you know, you got to be able to like, you know, fight through the pain or fight through this or fight through that. What have you learned from uh, jujitsu that kind of helps you on a daily basis, just in your day to day that you carry over into uh, maybe just uh, getting up in the morning and uh, getting out of your wheelchair and taking a shower and like doing all these different things that you got to do in a given day? I'd say more than anything, wrestling is what developed my character because that was more early in life. That Mm -hmm. was seventh grade to my first year of college. So I was at a really, you know, spongy age and Mm -hmm. I had amazing coaches that wrestlers are always mentally strong. Yeah, they're those are the they're toughest. always fucking hard to break. Man. No, like we are taught those are like t- those are tough. If the bone is not sticking out, what are you complaining about? <laughs> we are taught that from like I don't see a bone, so shut the fuck up and get up and roll. <laughs> you know, so that's what I grew up with, and I was taught that when I was at an impressionable age. So by the time I got to jujitsu, um, my you know first couple instructors they were complimenting me on like my, my mentality. I'm like, this is wrestling mentality, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why they. I mean, skill wise, they dominate the UFC, but I think mentally, that's also why they dominate the UFC because mm. they're just you got to kill me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. So um, a lot of um, just character things, I you know, I learned in uh, my first couple of years with wrestling, just uh, being determined, being uh, being stubborn, being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our rules was like, you know, practice starts at three. If someone is uh, still tying their shoes and you're, everyone's not warming up at 301, there's hell to pay. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing 100 burpees. You know, so we were just taught to be like militant. Yeah. You know, so like that was ingrained in me when I was young. And so it's followed me for the rest of my life. You know, Andrew has talked a lot of trash about you before he came in today. He, he really like, did. Man, he's like, I can't wait for that guy to come in. I'm going to smoke that motherfucker. So <laughs> just maybe after the podcast, like you guys might want to square off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't absolutely. know why. I don't know. I've never seen him that hostile before. But yeah, like he was absolutely right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, right? I'm it's totally surprising. I'm, I don't yeah. know why. I, I just totally don't get aggressive but i'm pretty passionate about street fighter so after this we can totally get down and play street fighter that's what i was talking about i don't know what they're mentioning you know. <laughs> tyler when did you realize that like i guess your your strength was a strength like i don't know when you started strength training but like when rolling with you mm-hmm. not only do you have amazing technique by the mm-hmm. way but you are ridiculously strong mm-hmm. so when did you realize that that's something that you had that was an advantage or yeah an advantage to your game I always thought that's what I need to develop. When I first really started diving into wrestling, you're like, okay, I got to, I'm starting from, you know, behind everybody else. I got to figure out the technique portion. And since I don't have my lower body, I got to, you know, make up for it in my upper body. Mm -hmm. So there's no such thing as being too strong, you know? So that's when I first started getting into lifting and, and then I developed a passion for it over the years. And I, I I always kind of got praised for 
my uh my upper body strength so i guess i just kind of it was always something i fell in love with first thing i ever did actually way before wrestling or anything when i was in elementary school i got my elementary school push-up record and that was the first time that i got like some praise for it so i guess that's what made me kind of fall in love with fitness um it was I asked the teacher one day, like, hey, what's what's the, the push-up record since you make us do push-ups every day? And they said it's like 30. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll do that. So I did like 35 or 40. And then some kid heard that I did that, and he did 50. So then that <laughs> pissed me off. So Game I did, on. Yeah, so then it was, yeah, then you, it's war. So then yeah. I did like 70, then he did like 90. And yeah, it ended with he did like 90 to 100. It pissed me off. I did 110. These are like, this is like. This is a lot for kids. This is fifth grade. So there was some other little kid as weird as me. So I, uh, he did like 90. I did 110. And when I did the 110th rep, I thought like, I'm putting the nail in this. Like, I'm, you yeah. know, I don't want him to come back. So I went to 120. On the 120th rep, I just fell over out of exhaustion. Uh-huh. I was sore for like two weeks. So I was like, you know, I, I wasn't following a good nutrition plan or anything then. <laughs> oh my God. But uh, I found him the next day. And like, I did 120. What are you going to do? He's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. I guess that's kind of what made me fall in love with fitness at first because it was the first thing I got you know, like, praised for. Mm-hmm. I don't think people understand how important that is, you know, mm-hmm. just to receive a pat on the back. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who you are. You get a pat on the back for something. Um, it makes a big difference in your life. And you can, you know, uh, having uh, employees and, and having people that I work with on a daily basis, you can sometimes see and, and owning a gym and, and coaching so many different people over the years, I can tell sometimes when someone has never gotten a pat on the back Mm -hmm. and those are the people that when i give them a little pat on the back and i say hey that was great like wow you you put in a lot of effort and like that was an awesome lift like great job you see them just all of a sudden they just they're they're standing a little more upright Mm -hmm. they're a little more full Mm -hmm. and they're um more confident Mm -hmm. and they go up to that bar and instead of like being like ah shucks i don't know what's going to happen with their kind of eyes down and they barely grab the bar and they set up for a squat instead they're fired up and you can see it and they grab the bar with with a good uh intention Mm -hmm. and they go over there and they manhandle the weight and give it everything they got and so Mm -hmm. that pat on the back is such a huge deal whether you you know you hit a base hit in uh baseball or you you caught the ball or you scored a touchdown or mm-hmm. and a lot of kids um unfortunately never experience it and i think maybe because um people aren't trying enough different things they're not exposed to enough different things so it's mm-hmm. great for you that you got exposed to that and then uh you know you started the push-ups mm-hmm. back and forth with the other kid when i was in school i, I used to race a kid in uh in, i think it was like in four, fourth or fifth grade and we would race all the time. Then other kids got involved, and uh, we had we had that battle going on. And then uh, we did uh, a lot of arm wrestling, mm-hmm. and it was always like a big showdown. Me and this other kid, we were the fastest kids in school, and we were the strongest. And we'd like arm wrestle, and it just always turned into like chaos. Like we mm-hmm. would start cheating, and like you know, <laughs> it would just turn into like wrestling. You know, we'd always try to kill each other. Uh, but I think that pat on the back from a young age is something that. I really think that parents should encourage their children to try to do as much different stuff as they can. And by encourage, I mean force. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes yeah. you have to just, you have to grab a hold of your kid and say, hey, we're going to karate. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't want to do karate. Doesn't matter. We're going. Mm-hmm. And you put them in it and you have them try it. Did your parents kind of force you to do a little bit of stuff to to, to uh, expose you to some different things? No, but that is kind of what led me to jujitsu because I was doing wrestling and then my little brother was doing karate. And after you know a year or two, he hated it. And they said, no, you're getting your black belt. After you get your black belt, you can never do it again or you can keep doing it. They forced him to do it. 
And then that's when I got the idea of like, hey, I'm looking for something to do in the off season of wrestling that complements my wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I asked the head guy. Um, there was a lot of different martial arts at this particular place. And he's like, hey, what martial art is like wrestling that will complement my wrestling? And he gave me like three different free classes to try. One of them was jujitsu. And I'm like, oh, this is like wrestling, but I can do the illegal stuff. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, I love it. You know, and then that's when I fell in love with it. And then when I wasn't wrestling, I was doing jujitsu. And then after my wrestling career ended, I just was like, okay, I'm doing Mm jujitsu. So yeah, before I didn't even know that you you had your uh, white, blue, and purple belt at another school. Yeah. So like, why did you end up switching to Casio's? What brought you over to Casio School? Uh, Mainly just because of how deep the waters are over there. You know that we have every belt, every body type, you know, you can, every single round is with somebody different. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wanted that at, at my old school that I was at infinite. It was a great place and a great instructor and everything. But uh, I, I felt like the big fish there. It was, it was me and a handful of other purple belts and we were the highest belts there. There was no brown or black belts. Yeah. So it was a smaller school than Casio's at that time. And, uh, there was me, I was 130 pounds at the time. There was another kid who was a purple belt. He was Shit, you were 130 pounds. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. What are you so, weighing right now? I, right now I'm 150, but that yeah. was before bodybuilding. Yeah. So. <laughs> that was before Jesus. powerlifting and bodybuilding. Yeah. But uh, so anyways, there was another kid who was a purple belt, 130 pounds. So he was my main partner. But after five, six years, we're sick of rolling with each other. Mm. Everybody else would say 160 and above, which I don't mind. You know, we, we roll together and I'll roll with somebody bigger than me. But that's a different game plan. You know, I don't grapple a big guy and a small guy the same way. And I got sick of always working my big guy, my absolute division game plan. Yeah. So um, I wanted to go to a school where I could work both all the time. And so eventually I'm like, okay, I need to go to Casio's because they have the the body types and they have people that are they're smaller than me and way better than me. Mm-hmm. They're going to beat me with skill, not just with size and strength. And that's, you know, so Casio's is, you know, the best school for that, I thought. So that's why I've been there ever yeah. since. You seem to have really strong, like, just a mindset like men, like your mental health seems really seems really good has it always been that way i mean i've i've gone up and down you know i, I think there's always been you know bouts of discouragement with anybody in a wheelchair mm-hmm. because there is we, we probably do fail twice as much as anybody else when we're trying to figure these things out so there's always been ups and downs i've sat in my car especially when i was a blue belt it's the stereotypical thing when you're a blue belt that most people don't survive blue belt that's yeah. the frustration belt right mm-hmm. that's what if you survive blue belt you, you might make it to black belt maybe you know but <laughs> A lot of people quit at Blue Belt because that's the frustration belt. And I've sat in my car and cried after jujitsu before I went home because I'm like, can I do this? Am I wasting my time? Am I never going to get beyond Blue Belt skill wise? Am I ever going to be able to hang with a purple belt? You know, am I completely wasting my time? And I've sat in my car and cried and just thought like, okay, I don't know, but I'm going to I'm going to find out. Can you know? we all just cry together for a little bit? <laughs> I think that would be good for us. I'll have to keep my eyes open for a while, get some tears going, but I can. <laughs> but yeah, so I've I just, cried over powerlifting before, and I think that I think that um, just shows that you fucking care. Yeah, you know, not not everybody has to cry over their sport or whatever, but like I, you know, I've just been frustrated with myself, mm-hmm. and it, and it was like internal. It mm-hmm. wasn't like it wasn't like anybody was preventing me from getting it, or mm-hmm. it wasn't like it was just. Uh, Dude, like you're not you're not really working hard. Like you should be working harder. Mm-hmm. You know, because you shouldn't have missed that lift. You know, you should be pre- more prepared for this meet that's coming up. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, you need to get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. I've had many discussions with myself and and lots of frustration. Been <coughs> mad, been sad, been depressed about it. All kinds of different things. And then mm-hmm. you kind of shift over and you're like, all right, well, you know, the next time we do those drills and practice, I'm gonna 
doing better. The next time I go and lift those weights, I'm going to do them better. I would, I would think about when I got done with a workout on say like a Tuesday is when I would do uh, like squats and deadlifts and those types of things. And then uh, again on Saturday. So if it was Tuesday, you know, I'd be pissed, but Wednesday morning I'd wake up and I'd be like, you know what? On Saturday, you better fucking bring it. And I would think about it all the way until I got to the gym. And when I, and sure enough, when I came in, I was lifting way better because I thought about it so much beforehand. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people are thinking like they're going to have like a pre-workout drink. It's like, you know, the ultimate pre-workout is to set your mind to something the right way Mm -hmm. and and tune into that channel and be like, next time we work on those arm bars, I'm going to take that shit seriously. And I'm going to take, I'm going to rip and seam his arm off and I'm going to take it home with me. Yep. It's easier said than done, but <laughs> it's hey, that's, that's a big arm to rip. But does it piss you off that he shows up late all the time? <laughs> like he never does. The, the fucking guy never does the warm up. You know, right? Well, that's the uh, the stereotypical purple belt thing. <laughs> that's the purple belt thing. Is you skip warm ups? That's how you know you're a real purple belt. <laughs> well, just so you know, we Andrew and I hate him probably yeah. more than anybody else in the yep. world. Oh, and we can't God. stand yeah. him either. So if you hate him, like you're, you know, oh, you're yeah. not alone. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've but, come to the right place yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah like, i've always had <laughs> wow. something though that like I, oh poor insuma he's just realizing <laughs> i think something that <laughs> oh, fuck. everything's starting to make sense to him right now it's all replaying in his head he's like oh my god but uh yeah i mean that's something that's always kind of pushed me through those those uh, times of discouragement though is just i think i i had enough motivational speeches when i was uh in wrestling when i was really impressionable like those, I really took him seriously. Whenever coach sat us down and did a, a speech to fire us up, like I, I believed every word he said. Mm-hmm. I never thought like, oh, that doesn't apply to me because I'm handicapped. He's talking to everyone else in the room, but not me. Mm. I took it like he's talking to me more than anybody else in the room. So I've always had this fire of like, I want to be at an elite level of something, be it wrestling, jujitsu, powerlifting, bodybuilding. Like I just, I've always had an urge for, you know, being great at anything I do. So that didn't allow me to quit no matter how many times I cried in my car. Yeah. You know, like I can't live with myself if I quit, <laughs> you know, when you were younger and you had you went through uh, the surgeries and stuff where you were like a baby or. Oh, yeah, I was a baby. So okay. I don't remember any of them. Any surgery I've had now that I can tell you all about. It was because of me being stupid. Mm. It was because of me, you know, fighting and stuff. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever had to go th- uh, through any sort of um, uh, therapy like uh, or have you ever. uh have you ever gone into like a group setting where you communicate with other uh, handicapped people or something like that to kind of <laughs> assist you and help you uh, with your Not condition? Really. I've never, me personally, I've mm-hmm. never had that issue. I've always kind of figured it out. And, you know, I got into lifting ever since that kid, you know, pissed me off in the push-up contest. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I, was, I always kind of started developing my strength. So um, I figured things out, I think, a lot quicker than most handicapped people would because of the... I got into fitness early, yeah. But um, but I've been asked to come into different settings like yeah. that and talk to them, right? And yeah. you mentioned you have a brother. Yeah, I have uh, two brothers, three sisters. So, and I yeah. bet you that prob- <laughs> that so that probably helped. You know, seeing them like do stuff and and uh, and just having like um, people to be competitive against, that yeah. are, like in your own household, and and you're probably thinking like, I. I, I can fucking do that. I can f- yeah. I can figure that out, right? That was that another thing that like made an impact on me and got me into it. Was my older brother? He's what is he? I think he's 10-ish years older than me, oh, something wow. like that. Ooh. But uh, I would always be, you know, I was I was a kid and I'd be watching cartoons and he'd be off in this other room in our house working out. 
I'm like, that looks cool. What's that? And <laughs> yeah. So eventually I went in there and grabbed the five pound weights and started doing my bicep curls, worked up to three sets of 50 and, you know, and then I just started chasing it because like I, I wanted to be like him because it yeah. looked cool, you know? So I guess that was really one of the starts of my fitness journey too, was just like, oh, like what's he doing? You know? Mm-hmm. Does he lift still? Not, not really. He, like he wasn't serious about yeah. it, but just the fact that he did it. Right. Just the fact that he religiously did it a couple of times a week and every time, like, oh, I want to do that with him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then I took it super seriously when I did it. So, Oh, yeah. You want to do yeah. what the big bro's doing, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that kind of made an impression on me when I was young, too. So, yeah. you like, you've been lifting, obviously, for a long time. But, like, when did you get serious about, like, bodybuilding? Because I didn't know mm-hmm. you've been competing for a while. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, bodybuilding... <clears throat> I've been on and off with that because uh, my first show was in 2015. Okay. Then uh, I just, I didn't compete after that. I did bodybuilding training just because I liked it. Mm-hmm. But then my next show wasn't until 2018. And then that's when I went to nationals and won my pro card. And then right after that, um, I thought, okay, now I'm at the pro level. Now I'm yeah. going in there with the big boys. So I better like get more, uh, get more uh, just time on stage, get more comfortable. Yeah. And then uh, at that time, I was I was getting ready to do a guest posing. I was doing the guest posing just for, to get more comfortable on stage. And then that's when uh, the Olympia allowed us to. Uh, and that's the Arnold. That's probably not a great video to pull up because like I looked like crap with that one. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bodybuilder thing but, to say. Yeah, pull, oh, up, pull up another one. But <laughs> pull up the Olympia one, even though I was small then. <laughs> but anyways. Um, that's when the Olympia allowed the first ever wheelchair division. Yeah, it was uh, not this last Olympia, but the Olympia before that. They allowed wow. the Olympia to, uh, to the Olympia allowed the wheelchair division, and then the uh, promoter contacted me and said, "Hey, you want to do it?" And I thought, "Yeah, this show here." And I thought, "Oh crap, my first pro show ever is going to be the Olympia." <laughs> That's crazy, shit, so, dude. Biceps looking awesome. But yeah, and I'm, this was this was last year's Olympia. I'm, I was a lot happier with how I looked this year. I was. A good 10 so pounds. you're mentioning that there's there's not a, a huge blueprint in terms of uh, jujitsu. Mm. Um, is there a little? Was there a little bit of blueprint for you in bodybuilding? Was there somebody that you uh, looked up to that? Uh, oh yeah, was also in a wheelchair. Oh yeah, all, all the pros. I mean, all the guys I was competing with in this show. Yeah. I mean, I was by far the smallest. You know, so uh, I look up to all the other pros that've been doing this forever. I mean, Harold Kelly, he's the king. He's won the Arnold. Mm four, five, six times. I don't remember. And Damn, then he dude, looked great. And then he's won the last two Olympias, you know, and he's, he's crazy. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I look up to all the other pros that have been doing this for a while. So, so they had all these big shows like the Arnold for mm-hmm. multiple years, but why wasn't there an Olympia? Yeah, no Olympia. They just, uh, what sanctioned us or whatever the right thing to say would be, uh, oh, man, the last chair. Year. The chair's killing your taper, bro. It like yeah. didn't go down. Doesn't go down quite low enough to yep. see the. Yeah, I got to get a different back on my chair to get better. <laughs> get a better taper. Oh shit! But um, so anyways, uh, yeah, the, the, we're, there's only been two wheelchair Olympias now. Wow! But it's cool. We we go on like right after the uh, the uh, men's physique. So uh-huh. or no, no, it's a uh, classic physique. Mm, yeah. You know, so it's been cool that we're we're up there on the same stage with everybody else. Have you? Uh, always been pretty comfortable with being like out in front of that many people i mean the olympia the arnold some of these not when i was younger not when i was younger no but uh i'd say with it's totally different with fighting i mean you're only focused on this this guy that's attacking you You don't know what the hell's going on after the first 10 seconds i mean this guy just hit me in the head and this is all i care about is this guy's attacking me you forget anyone else is in the room Mm. so i got over that real quick and then with bodybuilding i was scared out of my mind for my very first show when i was an amateur you know, I was just behind the curtain. I'm like, why did I sign up to do this? I can't believe I'm doing this, you mm-hmm. know? But after the first, you know, 
30 seconds you kind of relax and now i've done it a handful of times now it's now i love it now like that it's a good thrill it's a positive thrill but yeah it took some time tell but, me about a uh, handy capable I like that. I like that saying that you have. You you consider yourself handy capable rather than handicapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Uh, just not assuming anything. You know, not assuming that you you know what your limit is because well, nobody else has done it, so I guess it's not possible. <laughs> yeah. It's like right. that's the four minute mile thing. Right. Yeah. Be the first person to run the four minute mile. You know. So I want to see what I can do that in, if anything. And if I don't, I don't. But. I'd rather fail a million times and okay, I, I can look back and say I tried, uh, you know, but I want to see if, you know, what I can accomplish. If I can be the first person to really go deep in with jujitsu or anything else with um, bodybuilding, you know, I can only match these guys because that, that blueprint's already been set. These guys mm-hmm. look incredible, you know, so I got to catch up to them. <laughs> but in the worlds that, you know, there hasn't really been a blueprint, you know, can I be that, you know? Bodybuilding, powerlifting jiu-jitsu wrestling what's yep. the, what's been the hardest one for you to figure out um that that'd be jiu-jitsu yeah jiu-jitsu is the hardest because it's just so uh complicated you know it's so complicated it's not just as straightforward just do the training and you'll get the result with jiu-jitsu it's complicated and you can't just you know your game has to constantly change and your strategy has to change based on your opponent. I'm not going to grapple in SEMA the same way I grapple a small guy. Totally different. You know, so you need to know how to adapt your game based on your opponent. If you have five matches in a day, you're not going to just follow the same script for all five matches. So, um, you know, it's different versus, you know, with powerlifting, like learn how to bench correctly and then you follow that script, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's it's different, you know? So Yeah, I, there's a lot more variables in uh, something like jiu-jitsu. Like with powerlifting... It's like, uh, you know, just focus in on being strong and get around some other strong people and Mm -hmm. uh, find different ways to challenge yourself. And if you get stuck, try something new, try something different. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you're just working on being strong. And in bodybuilding, it's like you're working on just being in Mm -hmm. good condition. And it really comes down to your nutrition. Your diet is Mm -hmm. pretty much the main thing. How you train, as long as you're training hard, probably doesn't matter a ton, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe at that high level, maybe it starts to matter. Uh, a little bit more, but jujitsu or any sort of uh, grappling, wrestling, uh, MMA type stuff, you need to be in shape and you need to be strong. On top of that, you need to be smart with the different moves and the different approach and different strategy that you apply to each person. It's going to change immensely from one person to the other. Yeah, there's just, there's so much to learn. I mean, the way I think about it too, like the, the average black belt, the day he or she gets their black belt usually means they're awesome at like two moves. So, you know what I mean? Like they're really incredibly good at two moves. Congratulations. You've mastered two moves. Now they say, when you get your black belt, start all over, become the master of some other move, you know? So that shows you how, how deep it goes. And if you're ever bored in jujitsu, you don't realize how much you don't know, (laughs) you know? So you can, you can learn it forever. I like what uh, Jeff Glover says that he'll say that uh, every week I will try to emulate somebody different just to challenge myself. I'm not going to grapple like me. I'm going to grapple like Hoffa Mendez. I'm going to grapple like... You know, and just see if I can do their That's weird pretty, style. I like that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And then just to challenge himself because he's reached a really high level, but he knows like, okay, I've mastered 10% of jujitsu, you know? And then this other guy, he's mastered a totally different style of jujitsu than me. So I'm going to try to do his style just because it's going to be foreign to me and yeah. that'll up my game at least to some extent. Yeah. So jujitsu, there's just, it's so deep and there's so many variables. It's crazy. There's a lot of different things that people do that I encounter on a daily basis. But when it comes to jujitsu, um, it almost seems like jujitsu has some sort of weird affiliate program going on where people are always trying to sell you on it. 
You know, mm-hmm. people are telling you because they're so excited about it. Do you think jujitsu has some sort of uh, like, I don't know, like spiritual transformation or like, what do you think it is? What do you think is so special about jujitsu that gets everybody so pumped mm-hmm. up about it? I think that's anything though. I mean, there's, there's that, uh, the hashtag jujitsu saved my life, whatever. Yeah. You could say that about literally any sport. Yeah. So bodybuilding, powerlifting. I mean, it's whatever, you know, caused you to turn your life around and not be a bum. You know, it's whatever caused you to light your soul on fire. You know, and my first thing was wrestling. That's what got me to like, I'm going to become as strong as I possibly can. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to try to become an alpha, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I fell in love with bodybuilding, powerlifting, and jujitsu later on. And But I would take that same spirit into all of it. But yeah, so, um, I mean, whatever you fall in love with is what's going to, you know, save your life and and you know, require you to be the best version of yourself every day because you're trying to master this thing. So it, it, it could be something different for everybody. Yeah. You know? So you're obviously you're balancing all these three sports for bodybuilding. Um, you said you did your first show in 2015. Have you been handling like your preps? Have you been having somebody prep you or has it been you doing this? Because um, when you prep, you also come in and do jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on and off, uh, my very first show, I had uh, Jeremy Bundia work with me. He's uh, right. Four time men's physique champ. Mm-hmm. He's an old high school buddy of mine. So um, he helped me with my, my first prep. And then I had uh, Chrissy. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to say her last name. Sorry, Chrissy. <laughs> but she's uh, my old. Um, she's one of my old teachers uh, when I was in college. And uh, she's brilliant, too. So um, she helped me with uh, some of my second prep. And then after that, just from my knowledge from them and my, my own knowledge from being a personal trainer, I just, I've done all my preps ever since. Wow. Yeah. And in terms of like personal training and fitness, did you always know that that's what you wanted to head in and do? Did you have mm-hmm. any other things that you wanted to do or was that it? That was the first thing that like, you know, when I was early 20s, I was trying to figure out what do I do with my life? That was the first one that like, yeah, like that, that lights my soul on fire again. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't want to have a, a job that bores me. I don't want to sit behind a desk and, you know, do the office job thing. Like that's always been important to me is have a job that I enjoy. Yeah. I'm not, I, I admire people who are that workhorse mentality that can work 50 hours a week at a job they hate because they're just providing for their family. Like, I admire those people. But that's not my personality. I need to enjoy what I do for 40, 50 hours a week. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. And then, yeah, then I, I integrate uh, with my my preps. I'll integrate jujitsu and I try to balance the best I can. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the cardio portion, I try to make it as fun as I can. And jujitsu, that's fun to me. You know? So I'd rather just roll with somebody and, okay, let's not go balls to the walls. But if we just roll and roll and roll for a half hour, I mean, that's a ton of cardio. Mm-hmm. You know? So I try to just make my cardio different things that are... It's current burning calories, but it's also mentally engaging, you know? Yeah. So that's where, yeah, I don't do as much jujitsu when I'm getting ready for a show, mm-hmm. but I still try to do enough that I remember what I'm doing and I'm using it for a purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Have you communicated with uh, other people that are in wheelchair about, <coughs> um, about, you know, what lifting has done for you and what nutrition has done for you? Yeah. I mean, anytime I'm asked to come speak at different things, I mean, I'll, I'll tell them whatever about my whole life, you know, and how uh, just these different things have caused me to, you know, bring the best out in myself, you know. So, yeah, I'm always happy to talk to any of them about that. And, you know, I'll, I'll point out to them like, hey, if you get better at this, then this will get easier, you know, especially with handicapped people. Like if you lose weight and you get stronger, getting into your chair is so much easier mm. getting into the shower what whatever like you you better be really good at dips you know what i mean just <laughs> yeah. lifting your body so um that's what i encourage with any handicapped person is like make you better make your body weight nothing to you because this is all you're moving with right so make your body weight nothing to you get really strong in your upper body get down to as low of a body fat as you can com- comfortably can mm-hmm. you know and then that'll keep your independence 
that'll keep your your mobility and your independence but you know as we all know like it's it's hard for some people to get into that mindset yeah it's very difficult but it sounds like life-altering because if you don't if you don't want to move you know yeah. we know what's going to happen to you you know like yeah. if you just if you're like ah oh, it's it's too much i mean i just think about my own lazy ass and i'm like the remote's on the other side of the room and <laughs> right and it's a lot easier now that I'm not 330 pounds to be like, oh, I should just fucking go get the remote or I should just go up the stairs again or I should just do this or that. And it's, and then also it's like built in, you know, over years of just trying to be less lazy, trying mm-hmm. to be less fat, I guess you'd say. But it, it must be difficult for uh, people that are in a wheelchair. Like if you have any, any extra obstacle on top of it, mm-hmm. it's got to make it uh, harder, you know. That's where with me, the thing that's always motivated me is it was it was competition based. I was always trying to beat somebody ever since I was a kid beating that kid in the push up contest. It's mm-hmm. always been I'm trying to beat somebody else and he or she is doing that. So I'm <laughs> going to do it. You know, same thing that I'm sure wakes you guys up every day when, yep. you know, when you're in your prime, you're like, I'm going to beat that guy. He beat mm-hmm. me last time and I never forgot it. And and I remember, you know, I know the guys who have beaten me by like one placing in bodybuilding or whatever. I'm like, I'm going to beat him next time, yeah. <laughs> you know? So like that wakes you up every day. Yeah. But someone who doesn't have that, I mean, I can understand it's hard for you to get up with that same passion, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah, when you were uh, setting these push-up records and stuff as a kid, um, was anybody like in your ear talking about like diet and nutrition and stuff? No. no? <laughs> so like, where did that, like, or did you even pay attention to your diet or you're just like so active it didn't even matter i'd say when i really started learning about diet wasn't until i did powerlifting and i had some coaches for powerlifting i was trying to make the paralympic team and that's mm-hmm. when they educated me a bit more and then i really started learning about it when i did bodybuilding of course because you're not going anywhere in bodybuilding without a lot of nutrition yeah you know but um yeah, when I was younger, I just knew the general information. I just knew whatever the media would tell you, which then you find out 20 years later was not true. <laughs> when I was, you know, real young and I first started uh, lifting for wrestling, it's, oh, yeah, drink soy milk. Soy milk's great for you. Oh. Now I'm like, great. <laughs> now I hear a bunch of crap about soy, you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah but... um so yeah, I learned uh, really learned about nutrition when I did uh, powerlifting and bodybuilding. So a bit later in life, but and then I dove into personal training as my career. So of course, then I learned about it for that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When uh, you know, when Mark went to school is a little bit of a different time than I think we're old because how old are you? Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. So we're we're about the same age. Um, so it's a little bit different than when Mark was going to school. But um, you know, he he talks about how he was in like special classes and stuff. And whenever somebody would like bully one of the kids in his class or something, he felt like he had to be there to like stop them from bullying him and stuff. Um, I don't know if like you had been like friends with other people in wheelchairs and stuff, but did you feel like, you know, you had to be the man to kind of protect, you know, kind of everybody else in a, in a wheelchair or something like that? Or did, was there any instances when that happened? Not really. Nothing like that. Yeah. Nothing with the bullying situations. Mm-hmm. Just what I see mostly in the with the you know other disabled athletes or just disabled people in general some you know clients that i'll work with on and off or whatever is that that built-in victim mentality that they have uh, okay you know and they they assume that i can't do anything because i was in a car accident and mm-hmm. now i'm screwed life's over you know mm-hmm. so that's what i see is this victim mentality and you know i i can't get up and go into the kitchen and cook and do all this stuff and you know my first reaction is have you tried you know, yeah, yeah. And that they haven't even tried. They just assume they can't do it. They're so kind they're, of protecting them from themselves almost. Yeah. Right. They're not. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like that. Okay. 
you know, not willing to try, you know, that's, yeah. that's the saddest thing I see with, uh, you know, with people in the disabled community. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking back, like when you were talking about your wrestling coach, I'm thinking back to like my, I think he, my soccer coach when I was a kid, his name's Marcos Mercado. And he had a massive influence in terms of how I look at fitness in terms of like how I look at work ethic. He kind of helped really mold me in that sense. And I think that just goes to show, and even for yourself, how powerful a coach can be on a young kid's life, especially in a sport. Mm -hmm. Because like, do you think if you never had that, do you think you'd be a different person? Do you think you'd have the same mentality? I'd be a victim. I'll tell you that right now. I'd be a victim. I'd be like everybody else who I was just talking about. Yeah. But I had a coach who challenged me and he treated me just like everybody else. He beat the shit out of me. I mean, he'd come up, like I'd get hit just like everybody (laughs) else. I I remember sitting in the corner of the Rockland High wrestling room and crying because that really hurt my head. You hit me. <laughs> like, ow. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, I'm thinking about quitting. And then I came back the next day and I hit him back, you know? But like, yeah, I've, you know, th- they hit me just as hard and they would yell at me if I performed bad. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, not just if you lose a match, maybe I won a match, but I didn't dominate like I should have. Like that kid was, that kid was easy. You should have pinned him, but you didn't. Mm. They chew my ass just like everybody else. Yeah. You know, so yeah, having that person to instill all that in me, I mean, that changed my life really those four years of high school. Yeah. It's really crazy. Like every parent, like, I mean, if you can, you should have your kids do some kind of sport, whatever it is, you should have them do something where it pushes them physically and it pushes them mentally. Yeah. I've talked about that with some of my friends that like, I almost feel like it should be a high school requirement, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, just that, uh, and it's, I love, uh, you know, all sports are great and everything, but something about those individual sports where if you fail, it's because you failed. Yeah. You know, there's something about that that teaches you something for life. You know, there's, we all know the people that are 40, 50 years old and their whole life, every time they fail, it's someone else's fault. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you know, cut it in wrestling or jujitsu or any, any, you know, one-on-one sport if that's your mentality. You have to learn that you failed because you failed and you need to own that. And some people, you know, that's why they quit the sport. Yeah because they can't handle that. And then some people, you know, evolve because of that. You know? How do you decipher uh, feeling a certain way because you're you're born with what you were born with versus like being a victim? Mm-hmm. Like, is there a difference between the two sometimes? Because a lot of what you're saying, I just see it in everybody. Like I see, mm-hmm. it, you know, the people are lazy motherfuckers mm-hmm. all the time, you know, whether they have a disability or not. So it's like, uh, I guess, yeah, how do you, how do, how would you kind of decipher the two or is there even a reason to? I mean, I guess everybody has a choice, you know, everybody has a choice to go one route or the other. And then, um, it just, I don't know. I think your beginnings have a lot to do with it. What were you taught? And the earlier you're taught something, you know, the better off you are. And just luckily when I was 14, 15, 16, I had a coach teach me how to not be a victim. He, he didn't allow me to be a victim. You know, so um, it's tough that, you know, for some other people that were never they never had that influence in their lives. But at the same time, you, at some point, you have to take responsibility for your life. You can't blame your your terrible parents or your terrible upbringing or whatever your whole life. At some point, you need to be an adult and like, OK, do, do I need therapy? Go to therapy. Do I need a trainer? Go get a trainer. Go get whatever you need because you uh, you've identified what your weaknesses are, you know. But at some point, you need to take responsibility for your own success, you know, so. Mm-hmm. It's your choice what direction you go. Yeah, you have to invest in yourself and you have to, you know, you have to try to make yourself better the best way that you can, Mm -hmm. kind of regardless. Yeah. You know, regardless of of your uh, circumstances, regardless of your situation. Yeah, but just, but it's so easy to say that, no, my my whole life of failures is my parents' fault or whatever, my upbringing, blah, blah, blah. They never get out of that mentality. And that's tough. It's tough to help people out of that, but... 
people just get caught in this cycle, you know, mentally. And they, you know, some people never break out, unfortunately. It must be pretty hard to have like friends then, right? Because you look at people like, oh, I stubbed my toe. My day's over. You're just like, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I've gotten better over the years. I've gotten better over the years of like, okay. Be more accepting maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, and like, how do I tactfully call somebody out, you know, in a loving way, but you know. And then like I'll I'll do that with them. I also coach wrestling on my my free time back at my old high school, mm-hmm. and I try to like learn the person's personality. Some person or one person loves being yelled at, you know, and the, and then another person they're they're a bit more gentle. I'm like, okay, this person, how do I tactfully call them out? This other person, I could say you're being a wimp. You need to get up and you know go do your job. You know, yeah. So uh, yeah, you kind of learn how how do you go about talking to different people and but still get the message of cross of like, you need to take responsibility for your actions. No, it's not okay to play the victim. You know? Yeah. I can imagine like being a, a client of yours. Mm. Like if, if they were going to come in acting like, or like, I guess feeling sorry for themselves, mm. I feel like, how do you handle people like that? Well, that's kind of the ongoing joke between me and Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lisa is one of my clients and she's also one of my teammates at jujitsu and she's in a wheelchair also, but for different reasons. But that's our ongoing joke is like, why did I pick the trainer in the wheelchair? Like, I can't get any sympathy. I'm like, no, like for someone else in a wheelchair, like oh, I can't. I'm like, why can't you? I did it. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have any sympathy. And like, I try not to come off like an ass, you know, right. but <laughs> I don't have any sympathy, especially for other people in wheelchairs. Like if you're paralyzed from the neck down. Okay. That's different. Yeah. But most people, it's like, you're fine. You just need to work harder. And, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, um, whenever uh, here and there, a client will text me and like, Hey, you know, I, I stubbed my toe. I twisted my ankle. I can't come in to train today. I'm like, we can do an all upper body workout. That's my specialty. Yeah. You know, that's what I was texting. I'm like, you know, I specialize in all upper body workouts. Right. Like more than anything, that's my thing. Uh-huh. I'll kick your butt with an upper body workout. Get in here. I'll sit you down on the bench because you twisted your ankle. You'll never have to get off the bench the whole workout. And I guarantee you'll burn just as many calories. That's my thing, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so I'll try to not come off like an ass, but tactfully like call them out and not let them get away with you know, playing victim. Mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't matter that you twisted your ankle. Okay. That's 10% of your body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, wow. Yeah. There's a lot of people that, uh, I'll encounter just in conversation. They'll say, oh, I, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I, I catch myself sometimes saying stuff like that. And then I try to, I try to fix it. I try to not say that anymore. Or I try to, you know, not speak in such an absolute way because it really doesn't make any sense. Uh, when, when someone's talking about like a, a fitness plan or nutrition, or maybe they want to learn a certain skill, I can never do that. You know, um, maybe, maybe you're, uh, you know, thinking about Casio and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I can never be that good at you. It's like, what's the point? Why would you, mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why would you say that about yourself? Or, um, something I hear very often in terms of like nutrition is somebody's like, I might be able to do some of that, but I could never give up alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, why would you, why, 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 you know, there's no reason to, there's no reason to say it. you could do it and you could certainly do better than like, do you need alcohol every night? Like, let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's see if we can make some sense of this, you know, maybe they're addicted to it or something, but I think you can make some, I can never go without coffee. And it's like, well, you, you could. Yeah. That, that goes That's deep. That's an option. That goes deep. Yeah. Like those type of problems go deep. Whenever you hear somebody saying something and you can tell they, they're just, they're locked onto that way of thinking mm-hmm. that like it's part of their identity. It's like, that's, that's tough. And it sucks that your identity is some type of a victim, you know, that you can't go without, you know, such and such, like don't say you can't just, it's really hard, mm. you know? 
when I when I get ready for my shows, I, by the end of it, I do I do start getting addicted to caffeine, you know, because I feel like crap. Yeah. And I'm like, where's the pre workout? I got one more week, and I yeah. feel horrible. Give me pre workout, you know. So I start getting addicted to it. So like, I got to tell myself, nope, you don't need it. And you know, challenge yourself to be mentally strong, and tell yourself that you are mentally strong. Mm-hmm. Don't tell yourself you can't do anything. Tell yourself, I can. It's just going to suck. <laughs> you know, but don't yeah. ever say you can't do anything because then you're, you know, you're identifying as a victim, you know? And mm-hmm. it's difficult for everybody. Yeah. And it's, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not eating French fries is difficult for everybody. Not yeah. eating, you know, a milkshake or ice cream or cookie dough. Yeah. You just, you got to get the right perspective on everything. You know, right. what I'll tell people when it comes to, you know, anytime I'm doing a show or whatever, I got to make weight for any of these sports. They're saying, isn't this hard to... Uh, you know, uh, have you sit here? Watch, uh, I'm eating pizza in front of you. You know, isn't this hard for you? I'm like, mm, no pizza I've ever had has tasted as good as the Olympia stage. You know, it's like that's my perspective. I keep reminding myself of is like, no, like that's so much more thrilling when I win a jujitsu <laughs> competition or whatever. Like that's so much more tasty. Yeah, I've never had a pizza taste that good. And as soon as I get off the damn stage, I'll have pizza. Uh huh. I can suck it up for two more weeks. Yeah. You know, so like uh, I, I can have balance in my life. But if I have too much of that pizza, I never get the Olympia stage. I never win that fight to win in jujitsu or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just you just got to get perspective on whatever your situation is, and don't ever say I can't blank. I can't, you know, live without this. I'm like, no, you can. It's just gonna <laughs> suck, but that's okay. Yeah, it's okay to be uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, and then Everyone eventually should. it'll suck less, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone should rewind that part of the <laughs> podcast and listen to that several times over. I mean that that really makes a lot of sense, and you can apply it anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, um, your um, your ability to you know not go out on the weekends and and uh, you know waste a lot of time doing things that just aren't going towards your goals. And then you end up, you know, getting your uh, black belt in jujitsu faster um, and, and you reach your goals or you end up making the money that you want to make or you end mm-hmm. up um, in the relationship that you want to be. Whatever it is, whatever thing you're working towards, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the thing is you're working towards, because um, I, I think it's it's just hard. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. because uh, that immediate pleasure of having, you know, that pizza or that immediate pleasure of, of uh, just slacking off, mm-hmm. just being like, oh, I'll just fucking do it tomorrow. And with that, I mean, with the pizza, I've had it before. It tastes mm-hmm. good, but yeah. I've, I've had that experience before. I don't know what it feels like that when you had your record lifts. Right. When you put the weight down, you're like, I got the lift. I don't know what that feels like. I want to know what that feels like. That mm-hmm. like I'm, I've, I'm at an elite level in whatever sport, you mm-hmm. know? I want to know that taste, you know? Yeah. I know what the pizza taste is like, you mm-hmm. know? And it's not the most amazing thing in the world, you know? So it's just keeping that perspective on it that, you know, go get a, a taste you've never had before, you know? Are there any habits you have or things that you do that you think allow you to continue to push yourself so well? Or are there things that are just staples in just terms of your daily habits? Uh, I, I think I could probably name like a lot of them. But one of the biggest ones that I'll, I'll talk to people about is you have to be intentional about your motivation. Don't wake up and just, I'm motivated today, so I'll go kick butt today. And yeah, you yeah, wake yeah. up the next day, I'm not motivated, so I'm just not motivated. It's a wasted day. Mm-hmm. Like, no, every day wake up and motivate yourself. Like Be intentional about seeking out the motivation. You know, so just a couple weeks ago, I got up and I intended to eat breakfast and go to the gym. As I'm cooking my breakfast, I was watching West Side vs. the World. So by the time I was 
done with eating breakfast and like let's do this yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm fired up after watching that you know what i mean mm-hmm. so just like put on music put on you know a youtube video put on something that motivates you if you're not motivated that particular morning and yeah. find your motivation seek it out if you don't organically have it that particular morning mm-hmm. you know and do that every single day for 20 years straight yeah now you're successful yeah you know don't be a you know don't just let life happen to you though be intentional about seeking out your motivation and then doing whatever your checklist is. I like uh, like the rocks thing. He'll talk about how rents do, you know, like yeah, as those yeah. shirts, rents do. I'm like, yeah, I like that. You know, uh-huh. you owe yourself, you, you owe yourself today. Go, go pay rent today. Go do it. You owe it. You know? Yeah. I like that a lot because like, you know, a lot of, a lot of times, you know, people or even myself, you know, you want to be able to motivate yourself all the time, mm-hmm. but having something on the outside or watching some video or listening to something every day and having that, be something that helps you or gives you that extra burst. It makes mm. a lot of sense, you know? No, that's what I'll do all the time. I'll, I'll wake up and as I'm making breakfast before going to work out, I'll watch or listen to something. Mm. And just the visual or just even just hearing it, if I'm not even watching it, just hearing you guys interview, you know, these great people and I'll, they'll talk about how they got there and that gets me fired up by the time I'm done cooking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Then the, in, I, the inputs make such a big difference. Like mm-hmm. the things you're listening to or the things you're watching on a daily basis, like, it really, I can track, you know, the times where I wasn't feeling good. What was I putting into my body or what was I watching? What was I listening to? It wasn't ideal stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And then like changing that can make such a massive difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just if, be yeah. surrounded by greatness. Yeah. 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 And if you're feeling unmotivated, then you can go through a checklist of things too. Like, um, are you feeding yourself, you know, healthy, uh, healthy options, not just in terms of your food. Food's very obvious. Like, feed yourself healthy stuff and it's going to be uh, easier to feel good and to be fit and to want to move around. Um, but like also like, you know, feed yourself uh, positive stuff, you know, um, input, take in um, positive messages from podcast books, uh, you know, whatever resources uh, that you have available to you. And another thing that something that's helped me with motivation is nostalgia. So find that old song that you really like, you know, maybe just, maybe just go like, uh, maybe go with something unconventional that like you haven't listened to in a really long time. Think about like an artist or somebody that you really, really like. And it doesn't really have to be like music that gets you crazy revved up, it, although, although it could be. Um, but if it's something from like eighth grade, you know, mm-hmm. ninth grade, 10th grade, it's going to bring back a lot of memories for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that can kind of lift your spirits and get you fired up. And it could be any form of nostalgia, but music is is a good one. And then just walking. I found that walking is just, you know, really just going out and just, you don't even have to, it doesn't really matter how long you walk for, just go out and just, I found that like anytime I've been kind of just uh, frustrated, if I go for a walk, it's just, it's gone. I worked out every detail in my head by the time I got back and I'm over it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, usually it's just me being a bitch about something, you know, Mm -hmm. me just being whiny baby about something Mm -hmm. and I just need to work on fixing something. Mm But once you go for that walk, it's almost like therapy. And because you're moving, I think your brain stays really active and you start to kind of work your way through it. And then you're like, all right, well, here's how I need to approach that. Mm. And boom, it's over with. Yeah. Do you yeah. ever look at a, like old, um, uh, like I'll, I'll pull up like a Sacramento Kings like intro video when yeah. they announce the, the players? That will get me fired yeah. the heck up big time, dude. Like it's so weird, but yeah, that that's yeah, because they totally got the music me. cranking oh, and dude. they're the announcers all into it. And it's stuff. amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the, my favorite things to pull up every once in a while. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll use that nostalgia thing all the time. With mm-hmm. me, it's Thunderstruck, ACDC. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's <laughs> what we'd come out to for wrestling. So those four years that changed my life with wrestling, yeah. we would come out at every wrestling duel to Thunderstruck because mm-hmm. we were Rockland Thunder. Yeah. So like the, I associate that song with killing someone. You know what <laughs> I mean? I associate like when that song comes on, that means we're going to come out and we're going to kill somebody. Yeah. And we're going to come out looking badass with a spotlight on the mat and everything. <laughs> so like that's like always nostalgic for me. And then whenever I'm... Going real heavy on uh, bench press. Whenever I'm having a max out day on bench, I'll do my warm ups and everything. And in between every set, I will just pace back and forth in front of the bench. But in my mind, I'm pacing back and forth in front of the mat. Mm. That's just something you do. You pace back and forth in front of the mat, waiting for the match in front of you to finish. Mm-hmm. And I just go into that like dark place, and then I go and try to max out. You know, and it just yeah. something about that nostalgia. Yeah, really like pulls out that animal. You know. Yeah. So do you have um? Uh, some things that you uh, do mentally to prepare for some of your uh, tournaments and for some of the jujitsu stuff that you've done, the bodybuilding stuff. Well, maybe more so the jujitsu. Uh, do you kind of walk yourself through it mentally, like how you're going to do, or you just kind of like go in there and do your uh, thing? When it comes to like in the gym, if I'm trying to like break a record in the gym, I get fired up. I get really excited and fired up. Any kind of competition, though, I stay as calm as I possibly can because I'm prone to— Yeah, uh, you don't want to waste a lot of energy, huh? Yeah, I'm really prone to uh, adrenaline dumps. I had a big problem with that in— um, uh, powerlifting. Every time I, I would I would bench. I mean, my best bench in powerlifting competition was three thirty. My best bench in the gym, relaxed, just in my own world, is three ninety something, three ninety five. You know what I mean? So just it, it was because wow. of the adrenaline, and you know it messes with me. You nearly you know? bench four hundred pounds, and you said you weigh about one fifty. One fifty, yeah. Wow. But like in the gym with my own music, <laughs> no one's staring. So I wonder at you. why you're so strong on the mat. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> But yeah, so like I always struggle with that though. Like when the lights are on and everything, I get caught up in that and I get nervous mm. and it drains me. And I get out on the bench and then my first lift feels like a thousand pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, crap, like this was, I could do this for sets of seven the other day, yeah. you know, because mm. I would get that adrenaline dump. Then in the gym with no pressure, I mean, I would kill it, you know, because yeah. there's, you know, so I try to stay as calm as I possibly can before any kind of uh, competition, bodybuilding or anything else, mm. powerlifting, uh, jujitsu, anything. Another thing that's help, that can, might help people uh, motivation-wise is, um, you know, we were talking about The Rock and, and watching some of the old footage of him. Whatever that thing is that you loved as a kid, too, like, again, nostalgia. Maybe it's an old video, you mm-hmm. know, maybe it's an old video of, uh, you know, I always like Bo Jackson and Mike Tyson and Michael Jordan. Like, if I watch any of that stuff, uh, I feel like I run through a brick wall. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be much. It doesn't have to be, like, some emotional, crazy thing that's edited with crazy music behind it just them doing their thing I'll, I'll i mean i could still envision you know i got to see michael jordan play I, my dad took me to a new york knicks uh chicago bulls playoff game and it's that famous play where jordan uh goes on the baseline i could play that in my head and mm-hmm. i know like where i was sitting and stuff and yeah that stuff gets me fired up mm-hmm. that was cool like that was watching like greatness and watching like one of the greatest um athletes of all time mm-hmm. and that will get me fired up and excited so when you're trying to reach for motivation, there's a bunch of different things you can do to try to stimulate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just be intentional about it. Seek it out. Don't just wait for those mornings that it organically pops into your head. Like mm-hmm. seek it out every morning. You know, what's your uh, food like? Uh, pretty traditional. I mean, I'm listening to a lot of your guys' podcasts, yeah. and now it's that's you know the diets are all over the place. So I'm, yeah. I'm still learning. But right now I'm just more the traditional. Just you know the. Of, you know, the slow, di- slow digesting carb, the veggie, the the meat, the fish, mm-hmm. you know, just pretty traditional. You yeah, know, natural bo- foods. Yeah, just natural. You know, I haven't 
done any of the extremes, but like I'm always learning and I'm always really fascinated by the people you have on the show that are talking right. about one one direction or the other, all the right. the meat or all the veggies or somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So <laughs> right. yeah, it's really fascinating. So yeah, I'm more just kind of traditional though right now, just traditional bodybuilding diet, you know? What do you recommend to people? We have a lot of listeners on the show. We talk all the time about weight loss, but what would you recommend for somebody trying to put on some size? Because you said that you were, you put on about twenty pounds, and mm-hmm. you're you're pretty jacked. So, uh, what what would be a recommendation for someone to put on some size, put on some bulk? I mean, it just something you can maintain, for, no matter what your goal is, whether it's you know bulking up or getting leaner. Just something you can do for a long period of time. It's not an all out sprint unless you're in a special situation that like mm-hmm. you're. You're two, you're two months out from a bodybuilding show, then you got to do what you got to do. But for the most part, find the type of diet and the type of lifestyle you can maintain long term. I, I tell all my clients, like, have a place for the candy or whatever. Have a place for your, your alcohol, whatever it is. If you have it too much, then no, you're never going to have abs. You're never going to, you know, but have a place for the donut and then have a place for the kale and the stuff that you're not actually excited about eating. Have structure, you know, develop structure. And then just follow the science. Like, you know, you got to, you know, you got to be in a calorie surplus to really put on muscle. So follow the rules, but also have structure to everything you do with the, you know, the, the play foods and then the healthy foods. Yeah. You know, so find what works for you and then what doesn't upset your stomach and stuff. Just try out the different methods that work for your body. Has your diet evolved over time? Have you like, were you, or has this been the, the, like the premise of what you've been doing for the last few years? I'd say I mean, I've stuck with pretty much just the traditional type of diet, the traditional bodybuilder type of diet, mm-hmm. but just getting more perfect with it over time. You know, every yeah. prep gets a little bit better. You know, you're supplementing a little bit more. You're, you know, maybe you were lazy about something, your water in the past, and now mm-hmm. you're being OCD about get this much water in a day. And so I've just gotten better with every prep about um, just adding more to it. Yeah. You know? Okay. So. How about preps now? I think you said your next show is <coughs> when? Uh, the Arnold in March. Okay. And mm-hmm. when do you start prepping for that? About three months out, give or take. Shoot. Yeah. Somewhere okay. around that range. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be Arnold and then Olympia after that? And then uh, I'm not sure. I mean, definitely those are the two that I want to do. But then mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a, a Dallas show in between that. There's a Toronto show in between that. It's really limited for wheelchair bodybuilding. Yeah. And then um, we're kind of, we're in the, you know, the development stages of our sport. So we're still figuring out like what are our qualifications for the Olympia. So that's really what we base everything around is yeah. what do I got to do to get the Olympia stage? Yeah. Um, so uh, when we have participation issues and that usually you know dictates what happens with our qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, right now though, the last I heard, if you take uh, top four at any pro show, then you're in. So you know if I take top four at the Arnold, then I'll probably just you know bulk up all I can until the Olympia. Yeah. If I do poor at the Arnold, then maybe I'll do one more show and try to qualify there. And you know, so it really just depends. But my whole thing is I want to do the Arnold because that's a really fun one, and uh-huh. then whatever I have to do to qualify for the Olympia because that's the prestigious one. Yeah. Yeah. How was that like meeting Arnold? Because I think uh, you talked to me awesome. about that before. Yeah, that was awesome. You yeah. know, it's surreal. He walks in and you hear his voice and you're like, oh, that's Arnold's voice. Like no one sounds like that. Like that's Arnold's voice, you know? So it was surreal, Yeah. you know? And, and it was cool. He seemed like he wasn't completely on autopilot with us. He came over, he shook all of our hands. He took a picture with us and then he did a little Snapchat with all of us. Yeah. It seemed like he was, he was present with us. It uh-huh. was brief, but he wasn't just autopilot. And I've met other celebrities of whatever type, whatever type. And they were very just, Hey, how you doing? Shake your hand and next person in line, you know? Yeah. So I've been disappointed with a handful of celebrities I've met, but he wasn't one of them. You know, he was cool. So do your uh, parents go to a lot of these events? Yeah. Everyone they can, you know, of yeah. course, none of them are ever, you know, here in Sacramento, right. but, um, 
they've gone to the last two Olympias because that's the big one, and then mm. they're planning on going to the Arnold this time. I told them, you know, get ready because that's incredibly big. Yeah. <laughs> when I was, I saw you there last year, and like I was looking for the jujitsu area, and I never found it. <laughs> you know, I never, I was looking for two, three days, and I never found the jujitsu mats. Yeah. So you can get, you can get lost there so easy. Yeah. And like it's like two of the Olympia, you know? It is pretty crazy. Yeah. So, how does it feel? being like the first to do a lot of stuff. Cause I mean, we've been talking about, you know, the four minute mile and stuff, but mm-hmm. like wheelchair Olympia, you've, you were one, one of the first group to do it. Mm-hmm. One of the first people to do fight to win. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to be going into a lot of new territory. Mm-hmm. How, like what, what do you want to be able to do next? Is there anything next that you're like, I probably I mean, gonna be the first guy to ever do that. There's a lot of things I've just, I just felt really honored and blessed to be a part of like that very first wheelchair Olympia. There was mm-hmm. nine of us. So I'm part of the first nine on stage ever. Yeah. This last Olympia, a couple, you know, a month ago, um, well, how do I explain this? At the first Olympia, we weren't officially part of the Olympia. So I don't know how to explain it like behind the scenes politically, but we were like hosted at the Olympia. We, it wasn't the wheelchair Olympia. It was the IFBB Pro League Pro Wheelchair Championship at the Olympia. Mm. You're right. So this year that just happened, we were officially part of the Olympia, just like every other class. So when we got our jackets, it has the Olympia symbol on it. Oh, Last cool. year, it didn't. You know, none yeah. of our gear had the Olympia symbol on it. This year, we're like, we're officially part of the club. So uh, the promoter gave us our jackets and he said, hey, like the biggest thing to me is the promoter. You guys have that patch on, on your back right there, that symbol on your back. Like you're the first wheelchair athletes in history to have that, to be able to wear that, you know. So mm-hmm. that was amazing. And then, yeah, Fight to Win. Um, I found out that morning of Fight to Win that I was the first para-athlete to ever do Fight to Win. And I guess if I would have thought about it, I would have known that. But it it didn't hit me till that morning. And I'm like, this is really impactful to me. Mm -hmm. You know, that in a sport that I love, on a huge stage in the jiu-jitsu community, I'm the first one to do this. Like, that was really special to me. So, yeah, so all these things have just been made me feel really blessed and really, uh, you know, honored to be a part of. And then what I would like to do... um, you know, with the d- different things with different sports, but with jujitsu, I'd love to just create a whole system. I'd love to be like a John Donaher, you know, yeah. someone who just creates a whole system that no one else even fully understands until you're in it, you know, mm-hmm. until you're already tapping. And yeah. wow, like I didn't even know I was in a in a trap, yeah. you know. So w- when I'm on Casio's level, if I ever am, I want to just have this incredible system that I can teach to the world that no one else has discovered before mm-hmm. and put together quite the way that I have. Uh, then, you know, with, uh, bodybuilding, I want to go as far as I can. I mean, I know, you know, genetics play a part of that and everything. So there I might have a cap, you know, yeah, but yeah. I want to do as, as good as I can there. If I can finish somewhere in the middle of the pack, then that's fine with me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you seem really, uh, determined and motivated. Um, is there uh kind of a footprint that you're trying to leave behind, you know, cause you're mentioning that, uh, you know, there's not a blueprint and, uh, maybe, Maybe you're the blueprint for other people. Yeah, I mean, I want to set the blueprint all I can in in these different things, you know, especially in in jujitsu, and then just in in attitude, you know, the best I can. Whoever I'm around, if I can, you know, leave a positive impact on them, if I can inspire them, you know, whatever I can do to leave as much of a, a blueprint as I can, because there's not that many, especially in the sport world. The only one I can think of really that was really successful was Anthony Robles. He was the only one to really kill it, and he won, you know, he won the NCAA's in wrestling with one leg. Um, there's been others that have been successful, but not like world champion level. You know, there's been mm-hmm. Kyle Maynard. He's a, you know, who he is, no. he's a uh, purple belt under Andre Galvao. He has elbows and knees. Essentially. Mm. He has, he doesn't have hands. He doesn't have feet. He's just here. And he's done. He's been the first to do a million things. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he's got a, a crazy story, but, um, yeah, so there's been uh, people that I've admired over the years, but very few that have been extremely successful. Mm. 
But uh, yeah, so I just want to be as successful as I can be and leave as much of a blueprint as I possibly can for those who come after me. Yeah. yeah. I'll say this though, man, like, I mean, even rolling, you've transformed a massive part of my game. Like every single time I roll there and you're watching me, you always give me new things that I do mm. that I implement and works amazing. Mm. So that blueprint aspect of things you're talking about, I honestly don't think you're that far off mm. because it's just, it's just crazy how well you understand the game, mm. you know? So. And that's like, that's the the coach side of me is whenever I'm watching you roll, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm, I feel like I'm playing a video game and I'm like, look at, <laughs> look at this I got to work with and I'll see you rolling. I'm like, if he did this, he would throw the guy out the window right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so I always try to, you know, teach you something here and there because yeah. like, dang, if he saw this opportunity, you'd be winning worlds all the time, you know, just because <laughs> of your, yeah. you know, your physique that you have. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a hell of a sword you're fighting with. And, you know, as we talked about, like, why wasn't Brock Lesnar undefeated? He should have been. Right? Why mm-hmm. wasn't he? You know, if he was more technical, look at the sword he was fighting with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, then Cain Velasquez comes in. He doesn't have a sharp of a sword, but he was just better. Yep. You know? So, yeah. So that when I see you, I'm like, damn, dude, you got a sharp sword. Now, the better your technique is, you'll be unstoppable one day. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. Um, I was really, really fortunate to hang out with Mark over the weekend with some amazing people. Uh, Mark called it the uh, Meathead Millionaire Summit. It was incredible. Um Everybody around the room, they, they kind of spoke and they gave a little bit of background about each or themselves. And it seemed like there was some sort of bad thing that happened to them. And they, you know, use it as a springboard to do literally everything that they're doing now. Um, would you have anything any other way? No. I mean, uh, you need challenge to bring the best out of you. You know, how else does does it ever come out? No one ever really... I don't think people really bring the best out of themselves for no reason. Something happens to just about everybody that brings out that animal in you or it defeats you, you know, and that's what we see in the world. One person is defeated by a situation. Another person has the same situation or a worse situation and they become an animal because of it. So it's your choice. But yeah, but that's, I think that's, that's something that happens in everybody's lives. You know, the the difficulties you go through build more muscle, you know, your challenges build more muscle or they break you down, right? But you, but it starts with the, that bar is over your chest and is it going to build more muscle or is it going to crush you, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's that's everybody's choice and that's what determines the successful from the unsuccessful. Kind of sounds to me like, uh, like everything in your life might come full circle. Um, mentioning you had a mentor uh, in, in wrestling that uh, probably really helped um, steer your life in a really positive and strong direction. And it sounds to me like uh, through personal training and through helping people at jiu-jitsu that you're going to end up being that mentor for a lot of people. So I think that's really cool. And I think that that would be something that would probably um, probably give you a lot of, uh, probably fill you up, make you feel really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always loved coaching. And that's where, you know, I've, I coach at uh, Rockland High School with wrestling every chance I get. And that's also one of the things that made me realize I want to be a trainer because I do like that one-on-one, you know, just helping people. You know, it does uh, kind of come natural to me. And I do like when I'm sitting on the side of the mat at jujitsu in between rounds, I'll watch people roll and I'm like, yeah. oh, he doesn't realize that's wide open. I got to tell him, you know, <laughs> I got to show him this was this was wide open. It was staring you in the face the whole roll and you didn't take it. I got to <laughs> like the, the coach in me does come out and like, I yeah. got to show you because like I take that all the time. It's, it works easy. That's <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. So where can people find you? Um, Instagram and Facebook on Instagram. That's uh, Tyler Bray underscore IFBB underscore PT. And then on you know Facebook, just my name. You have any uh, jujitsu tournaments coming up? 
Uh, I enter every one of them that I can. Uh, I'm not really big on IBJJF because of like the the point system and everything. I like more the submission only tournaments because then I mean there's no such thing as a bad position. You know, you just it's a, it's a, it's a street fight. You just roll. Mm-hmm. So um, I try to enter all the submission only as I can, but most of those are what exhibition fights or whatever you want to call them. So the other person has to accept, and nobody wants to fight me. So you know. I enter all of the uh, submission pro tours and the fight to wins and all the other ones I can find, but yeah. it's rare that I get the call. But I'll, I'll keep entering them until you know I get the call, and then otherwise I'm just focusing on bodybuilding competitions. Cool. So, a big shout out to our sponsors: we got Piedmontese Beef, Quest Nutrition, and Perfect Keto. Andrew. Uh, give them some uh, hookups on how they can get a discount Absolutely. on some of that stuff. Yeah. So um, wherever you're watching this or listening to this. Uh, Everything's in the description, but um, head over to Piedmontese.com. That's P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com at checkout. Enter promo code POWERPROJECT for 25% off your order. And if your order is above $99, then you get free two-day shipping. And then our boys at Perfect Keto, that's perfectketo.com slash POWERPROJECT at checkout. Enter promo code POWERPROJECT for 15% off your entire order. Uh, you guys know we go nuts for the, uh, the nootropics and especially the bars. But uh, actually, my fiance, she texts me. She's like, "Can you get more of the uh, nootropics? Because we, yeah, she, we killed our second tub. So, but, but it was really good because she had uh, a bunch of stuff she needed to do online, and she got everything taken care of, cleaned the house. It was it was insane. Yeah, nice. And then uh, of course we go nuts over all the Quest bars. Um, head over to QuestNutrition.com. Enter promo code MarksQuest for twenty percent off your order. And I highly recommend the uh, the taco flavored chips. I had those with my Monster Mash. Mm. And unfortunately, that's the last time I'm going to have them because Mark pulled away all of the extra little cheats that I'm having. We got to get serious. It's going to get serious. Shred again is a real thing. And I'm pretty fired up after listening to Tyler. This is, I mean. Andrew is trying to get yeah. abs by Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. That's what he's working on. Awesome. Yeah. So like yesterday I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm going to cheat. And then Mark walks in and he's like, chips, huh? I'm like, well, n- 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 I mean, so it, He's get, he, he said it's just going to be a little bit more drastic you can than look a at normal it, person. You can look at it like this. This is the bad thing that's happening to you to allow you to springboard and pivot from here. Yeah. The quest bar. Like, this will be your story 10 years from now. Like, how'd you get abs? Be like, my my buddy, he took away the quest bars and it really upset <laughs> me and I got frustrated. But then I just did it, man. And I got jacked and tamed. Yeah. But what he explained, he was like, you know, we're, we're doing something a little bit more dramatic, right? He's like, you could still have them and you're going to reach your goal, but let's make it impactful. Let's let's get you abs by Christmas. And I'm like, all right, I, I can get with that. I'm down with that. You know what I mean? It's nice. So, It'll be a little Christmas gift to yourself. Oh, yeah. That's Six that's what back. I'm hoping to open up on Christmas Day. Just, yep. <laughs> People don't bring out the best in themselves for no reason. One of the best quotes I've heard in a really long time. That was fucking awesome. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch y'all later.